the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the Arthur Idala Power Hour, sponsored by Bay Ridge Honda. Portions of this program are pre-recorded. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome to Monday here in New York City in the heart of the summer. And it's Arthur Idala. I'm back. I want to thank uh, Joe Sibilia, the great Joe Sibilia of Piscopo in the Morning, for uh, hosting uh, the show on Friday. And uh, as I was um, leaving for the day on Friday, the news broke that uh, Tony Bennett died, and I knew. Uh, Honestly, of everyone who has filled in, every single person who has filled in for me in the almost two years now that I'm doing this show, honestly, there could not have been a better person taking over the microphone that night than Joe Sibelia, who happens to be, uh, I don't even know, 30 years my junior, and yet he knows so much more about the loss of uh, Tony Bennett and and the impact that it has had. Um, We have a very unique show today. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what my life was like in court today, because according to you guys, you enjoy hearing that. But then I have three really, really special guests. Um, my mother is going to lose her mind about this show. First and foremost, to shed some light and some color for those of us uh, or those of you who don't know the role that Tony Bennett really had in that era of music, uh, I'm going to bring on Bruce Sharrett, who uh been a member of the Friars Club since I think he's 18 years old, 19 years old. Um, he's a little older than that now. But he ran uh, in these circles with this, with this crew. I mean, he just posted a picture of Steve Lawrence with he and Frank Sinatra, I believe, without his toupee on, which is not too many pictures of that floating around. Um, so Bruce is going to tell us a little bit about uh, Tony Bennett in general and the impact, the relationship he had with that generation, because he was younger than those guys. And um, then we're going to have Frankie Valley on, who uh, is, you know, he again, he's a contemporary of Tony Bennett. And Frankie Valley has been asked to do dozens and dozens of interviews. And I believe this is going to be one of the only ones he does. Uh, he obviously is a friend of Bruce. That's why we got to pull him on in. And then um, we're going to end the show with Rita Vale, who is the great crooner Jerry Vale's wife. 
And uh, she had a very strong relationship and long-time relationship with Tony Bennett. Uh, I think even if you're not a big Tony Bennett fan, but you're a fan of that generation of, of, of music, the standards, uh, which is, it's interesting, <clears throat> when I'm at my in-law's home, which I was this weekend, my in-laws, uh, who, you know, they're, they're obviously my wife's parents, so they're not kids, but they often have the kids' station on. You know, meaning whatever, Z100 and whatever, the top 40 stuff. But this weekend, I guess as a tribute to Tony Bennett, they played all the singers and standards, which is just not typical for their household. It's very typical of my household. Gosh, if I put anything on, you know, that goes past 1960, my mother starts screaming. So in my household, I always yeah, I have the Glenn Miller station, the Tommy Dorsey station, obviously the Sinatra station. Um, but, it, you know, I heard some great, great music and, you know, music where you actually understand the words, the lyrics, and then you can actually hear a story. So we're going to talk about the role Tony Bennett played in that and the impact he has had, because uh, in my opinion, and I'll, we'll have three experts on to talk about it, he's last of the big, great ones um, to leave this planet. Um, let's talk about court. So I was in two different courtrooms today, but in the same building in the Southern District of New York. One was for the arraignment which means it's the presentment, the presentation of an individual who is charged with a crime. It's a financial crime. This is an individual who had never been in trouble before, but he did some things regarding Wall Street and the stock market that you're not allowed to do. And it was a close call as to whether or not criminal charges were going to be brought or whether it was just going to be um, some sort of SEC violation uh, and it would be prosecuted by either the SEC or FINRA. But the Southern District of New York decided, nope, we're going to charge him criminally. So we went to the lower court. I have to say, I'm not exactly sure if it's just because of my age, but I appeared before a magistrate judge who, to me, she appeared to be she appeared to be like 30 years old. I don't think she was 30 years old. Maybe she was 35. But, you know, you still kind of have that stereotypical vision of a judge being an older person, someone with you know wisdom and, and experience. Don't get me wrong, the, the judge was very professional. She clearly was new. She was she was a lot of there was a lot of script reading. But a a, pres, a presentment when you arraignment when you all agree on what the bail is going to be is not there's not a lot of high drama going on there. But we did that. We were in the um uh, in, the, in the clerk's office in the arraignment room, there's some really great guys in there. One guy, Vinny, who knows my father forever, originally from Brooklyn, then to Staten Island, then to New Jersey. I call that the Italian migration. Um, he took good care of us and sent his warm regards to my family. Uh, and then after we were at the lower court, because this is a client who's from out of town, we arranged to be in front of the judge who's actually going to handle the case. That's Judge Greg Woods, um, who's a very nice man, a very a real gentleman, another young person. You know, it's weird. I'm, I'm at a point now where the judges I'm appearing before are younger than I am. And yes, obviously, that's a, that's a part of aging out. But it's also a way they have changed the way they've chosen judges. Uh, and, and this is not my opinion. You know, Justice Scalia told me once, Judges were the lawyers who were identified as the best of the best. They were the best lawyers, and therefore, let's make them a judge. And that has just totally gone out the window. I, I, it's not the way it is anymore. Um, there's so many different aspects that play a role in here, like gender, like race, like background. Um, 
We can say that about a lot of professions. Uh, but uh, one of the aspects is, and you can really see it on the United States Supreme Court, is, but it, it trickles all the way down to this magistrate judge. When a United States senator and then and ultimately the Senate and the President of the United States, when they're putting these judges on the bench, the, the, these are lifetime appointments, the, the district court judges. So the younger the person is, the more of an impact that politician has on the court system. Um, so, like, I appear before judges all the time who President uh, Clinton appointed. But these guys are, like, 75 years old. So they were, like, 50 when they went on the bench, not 30 or 35. They already had, you know, 25 years of legal experience. But the trend now is to put people on the bench younger and younger so that the politicians who put them there have a longer impact. And you could, again, you could see it with the Supreme Court of the United States of America. The judges are getting younger and younger that they're putting on the bench so that a president, when he, even when he is way dead and gone, he still has the, his voice is on the Supreme Court of the United States. So anyway, I was in front of the district court judge. Um, we had a very cordial conversation. There was four defendants, um, one prosecutor. We set a, a trial, a, a motion schedule. The prosecutor tells us they're turning over two terabytes of um, evidence. Now, for those of you who aren't too computer savvy, two terabytes of evidence are thousands and thousands and thousands of pages. And they wanted to know if in 60 days we would have digested all of that. Luckily, the judge, being as experienced as he is, realized that maybe four months as opposed to two months would be a more appropriate time. And I said, Judge, there's no way I'm going to have, I'm going, you know, it's August, I'm Sicilian, I didn't say that to the judge, although I thought about it. You know, Ferragosto, we got to disappear. Um, so it was interesting, but as I was walking out of court, there's all these camera people and all these news people who I knew, and I said, what's going on? And it was the sentencing of a Manhattan gynecologist, Robert Hayden, and he was sentenced to 20 years by Judge Richard Berman, who I, by, by the way, I think was one of the judges I was, who was appointed by President Clinton. And, um, you know, a bunch of victims. Apparently, when he was a gynecologist, he uh, violated the law by being inappropriate. That's to say the least 310 acts of sexual abuse and assault on dozens of people in his care. Um and I think several women testified at the hearing, and the judge gave this individual, who I think is in his 60s, uh, he had faced up to 80 years. The judge gave him 20 years. The prosecutor wanted 25 years. So the defense attorneys who handled the case actually did something by shaving uh, some time off. So I was a lawyer, but now we're going to shift gears from being a lawyer to uh, being a thespian and, and someone who loves music. We're going to have a little little tribute to Tony Bennett today because, as I said, he's, in my opinion, less of a dying breed. But we have to wish a happy birthday to Ruth Buzzy, who's 87 years old today, and she is a real favorite of our friend Joni Pelzer, who's back from vacation. Thank you, Lord, for having Joni back. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Bruce Sharrett. And I can smile because 
Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful at lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question, and the owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and I agree with them. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, yes, 100% drug-free ingredients, each helping your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. That's right there, approaching from four different angles may be why so many people find such wonderful relief. So if you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you. It has for about 70% of the half million people who've tried it, and they've ordered more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF, the number 4-RELIEF, to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. Let's talk about our friends at Bay Ridge Honda. The Sabah family has been there for six decades. That's right, six decades. Bay Ridge Honda is the choice from people from all five boroughs. Because let's face it, everyone loves Brooklyn. Everyone loves coming to Brooklyn. Right across the street from Bay Ridge Honda is Ponte Vecchio Restaurant, which is a fantastic place to eat. Right next door to Ari Rang, which is another fantastic place to eat. So you can have a great meal and buy a car all at the same time. They have been the family-owned and operated dealer of the choice of people looking to buy a Honda or any other used vehicles. You see, they have 200 new Honda vehicles, over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles, not just Honda, all kinds of vehicles. But those vehicles are backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President Award winning dealership. And right now, just right now, you can get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, you're going to receive an extra $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your new car with them. Even if you don't buy a car with them, they'll buy your car from you. If you're just looking to unload your car, you're done with the car, you're going to take the R train down there in Bay Ridge, drive on in, they'll make you an offer, give you some money. You'll be riding the subway with a whole pocket full of cash. So visit Bay Ridge Honda on 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for detail. This sale ends on July 30th, 2023. Yes, Sue and I truly love our dogs, which is why I am so glad I found Rough Greens. Not a dog food, but a dog supplement that we simply sprinkle on the dog's food. And naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, the founder and creator of Rough Greens, has shown us that dog food is actually dead food. It's true. Take some of your best kibble and put it in a bowl and set it on top of your fridge six months or even a year later. Or maybe two years later, it looks the same. No mold, no nothing, because it's dead food. Nutrition is not brown. Nutrition is green. And Rough Greens will help your dog with low energy, itching and scratching, bad breath, digestion problems, and so much more. Because it's packed with vitamins and minerals, probiotics, omega oils, and antioxidants. And Dr. Black is so convinced it will help your dog, he's offering a free Jumpstart trial bag. Just cover the shipping. Go to Rough Greens. It's R-U-F-F. Roughgreens.com forward slash Prager or call 833-223-R-U-F-F. Roughgreens.com slash Prager or call 833-223-R-U-F-F. Remember when you were a teenager, you run around high school thinking, oh, I'm invincible. Nobody could hurt me. Well, you know what? The same rationale applies to adults, too. I felt that way running after Arthur all over the... Long Island this weekend. You know, when you're healthy, 
you think, oh, I don't need a power of attorney. I don't need a health care proxy. We think, I'll worry about that when I'm older. I become sick. And you know what, folks? Nothing could be further from the truth. The fact is, if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or a health care proxy. What happens then? Well, then the state or the courts may have to make those decisions for you. Is that what you really want? It's essential to create a power of attorney and health care proxy as soon as you can when you're healthy. So what are you going to do? You're going to call Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law, because they know their stuff. They've been doing it for 40 years. They'll help make you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. So for a free in-person initial consultation with a lawyer, call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire This is uh, amongst my favorite uh, Tony Bennett songs Because he's best known for... uh, I left my heart in San Francisco, even though I think he's got nothing to do with San Francisco. But I'm going to find that out right now from Polyprep Class of 81, 1981, uh, from the Friars Club, a man who's the historian of the Friars Club, the one, the only Bruce Sharrett. Bruce, how are you, sir? Wait, hold on a second. Can you hear him, Matt? I cannot. Yeah. I'm wondering why, because his... Three. Oh, why is he on three? He shouldn't be on three. He wanted this mic. Okay, so now we had the wrong... There, thank you, Joan. Okay, now we could go. There you are. Am I on now? Now you're on. Well, first, Arthur, it's always my great, great pleasure to be with you. It kind of makes me sad that I only get called when somebody dies. Well, that's the part you're in. Whose watch are you wearing? But that I'm wearing Alan King's watch. Uh, Whose ring are you wearing? I'm wearing Milton Berle's ring. Okay. There we go. Whose eulogies have you given? I've given a lot of eulogies. Give me one or two of the big ones. Alan, Milton. Milton Um, Berle, Alan King. Okay. I've got to give you a little credibility. Not everybody knows who you are. This is absolutely true. I... I, um, in my distant youth, as, as we just uh, established, I'm a little older than you are. I just turned 60. Um, in the 1980s, in my, I worked for Alan King during that decade, and I had the kind of the pleasure of being around that entire generation of performers. And I had a really curious relationship with them because they adopted me, and I hung out with them, and I spent a great deal of time with them, and I sort of was a fly on the wall, and I got to hear everybody's point of view spent a lot of time listening to why musicians thought this singer was great and that singer wasn't, watched a lot of people work, walk on, on stage and seeing what they did. And um, I have a sort of a point of view on a lot of this stuff. It How old would Alan King be if he was with us? Alan, Alan was born in 28, so he would be 94. Okay. And he and oh, Tony... So he was they were about the same age. And they started the last time I was with Alan and Tony, they were reminiscing that they worked together for the first time in 1948 at a long forgotten nightclub in Queens called The Boulevard, where Tony was the boy singer and Alan replaced Jackie Gleason, who was fired because he did a terrible stand-up. 
and that was before. Only on the Idola Power. Or you hear that Jackie Gleason he does did a, a terrible, did a terrible, terrible stand-up. He was Is Bruce in the frame. He was the greatest sketch comic of all time, but was not a great stand-up. Okay, but we can go on and on. Let's talk about Tony Bennett. Go ahead, talk to he, me about Tony well, Bennett. I I was thinking about this over the past week, and I wrote a little piece about it, and I tried to figure out why was Tony so great. And what made Tony stand out from everybody else? And what allowed Tony to have the renaissance that he had? And I think there are two things that I think are most important. The first thing is to put it in a little context. Uh, if we're going to talk about the great singers of standards of the last century. From 1932 on, the only singer that mattered was Bing Crosby. Everybody wanted to be Bing Crosby. And then the big band era. I'm going to do a little history lesson. It'll take me two minutes. Then the big band era came in. We got Frankie Valli coming up, folks. And, just... and you had all of these great singers. And they all wanted to be Crosby. Except one who stood out. And he didn't sound like Crosby. He loved Crosby. Crosby was his hero. But he was a seminal person. And that was obviously Frank Sinatra. And then what happened was the generation after Frank... Everybody wanted to sound like Frank. And I can list all these great singers, Vic Damone and Julie LaRose and Steve Lawrence. They were all bitten by Frank. They were all great. Tony Bennett didn't want to sound like Frank. Tony Bennett didn't sound anything like Frank. And that's why he stood out and his artistry is different. The other guys are great singers, but when you're doing what somebody did before you, the level of artistry is never there because it's the artistry was established by Frank in that world. Tony and Nat Cole sounded absolutely nothing like Frank, and that's why they're remembered differently, and they're remembered as being artists onto themselves. And then a second thing happened with Tony. Tony, when I met Tony in the eighties. Tony was kind of in a dark period in his career. He was certainly working, and he worked in Las Vegas with Alan. We worked in Atlantic City, but it was before the Renaissance. And then this Renaissance happened, which his son Danny's masterminded, and it was one of the brilliant. So his jobs. son, his son deserves the credit that he gets. Hundred percent of the credit, but it also was facilitated when he did MTV Unplugged, and all the guys at MTV that believed in him. Now here comes the curious question. Why did the next generation embrace Tony the way they did? And I think the reason for that has to do with the very essence of who Tony was. The generation, the baby boomers and the generation after baby boomers only would accept slickness from two singers, Dean and Frank. Everybody else that tried to do that was, and I hate the term, they were perceived as lounge lizards. And... Only Dean and Frank were cool in a tuxedo. Tony. Wait, hold on. What about Sammy Davis Jr.? Even Sammy suffers. He really does. And Sammy became the sort of the poster boy for the lounge kind of, and he was, you know, sort of derided on Saturday Night Live. Only Dean and Frank were allowed, and Bobby Darren to a lesser degree. And Bobby had the advantage because he died at thirty-seven, so he never, he's frozen in time. But Tony. There was I, nothing... I don't know if I go on a limb and say that's an advantage that he died at 37. Well, but I, but, I get your point. I'm well, breaking yeah, I, I'll say the I same thing that you can say that about Marilyn Monroe. Right. You can say it about James, James Dean. Dean. People right, that die are frozen Jimmy Hendrix, time. I got you. But the thing about Tony is when Tony was revisited, there was no ring-a-ding-ding -ding about Tony. 
Tony was an artist. It was the purity of what he did, and there was something so dear and sweet about him as a man and him as a persona that the generation embraced him and his music, and he wasn't burdened with the kind of preconceived bigotry that that generation had to an entire generation of performers that were brilliant. But if they wore a tuxedo and they were, they were like a night, like a Vegas act or a Copacabana act, it was very hard for the next generation to embrace them. And Tony transcended that because he wasn't that. He was a musician. He was just an artist. It was all about the music to Tony. And he didn't sound like Sinatra. He didn't sound like Bobby Darin. He didn't sound like any of those guys. He sounded just like Tony. And that was what made him unique and so, so special. The way he maybe entered into the younger generation was Sinatra trying to do that with the duets albums well I think that honestly I think that had Tony not had that renaissance I don't think that though I don't know that those albums even would have been done but Frank you know Frank occupied the apex of that world and Frank was the only one who could do anything he wanted you know I mean Frankie Valley's going to be on in a, in a little while we, we won't have enough time Frankie tells a fantastic story about there was a moment in Frank's life when Frank couldn't sell a record. And the, the, the seasons were had all these hits on the charts. And Frank was, and Dean had had a big hit with uh, Everybody Loves Somebody. He knocked the Beatles off the charts and Frank couldn't get a hit. And, and Frankie suggested that he work with Frankie's partner, Bob Gordio, and an album came out of that called Watertown that was really not a commercial hit, but it was a brilliantly executed wonderful album that's just been re-released by the Sinatra family and anybody that loves Sinatra should really revisit it kind of got lost in the cracks but every career including Frank's has had its ups and downs for sure real quick since you went in that that topic for a second just regarding Sinatra and we're going to get back to Tony Bennett is that scene in the Godfather about the about him getting that role in the movie is that from here to eternity is that was wait was that the, I mean what is that the movie what, what yes. was the movie well, that brought well, him back it, 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 brought it, Sinatra it, it back it certainly in? is from here to eternity but what Mario Puzo did was he took factual stories and he used them to inspire a great fiction anybody that thinks that's the story as it happened is no 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 uh, right but yes. I, it's uh, yes, around it, that it is and, and the idea and certainly Frank wasn't thrilled with it when it came out because there are and and you could argue that the character the waltz character was harry Cohn, who owned columbia pictures and uh you know that everybody's kind of based on somebody but the 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 actual story is a complete complete fiction okay so bruce i'm going to ask you to stay and stand by for the rest of the show if that's okay these are people you know very well, Frankie Valley, who's coming up, and Jerry Vale's wife, Rita Vale. And, you know, you could just co-host along with me here. You're not exactly a rookie at all of this. And, you know, you know where kind of what rabbit holes to go down and which ones not to go down. So, folks, we're going to get a uh, at AM970 here. We're going to get a, an exclusive talking to uh, Frankie Valley about Tony Bennett, the life and times. Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, I, I... Okay. All right. We got 30 seconds here. We're going to do two quick commercials. And uh, we're getting Mr. Valley on the phone. Hopefully, he's, it's, he's uh, on, I believe he's on Pacific time. So we'll call him at 3.30 in the afternoon. And uh, I look forward to hearing what he has to say. So don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. And your cheeks so soft 
There is nothing for me but to love you. Just the way you look tonight. This is Carol Platt Liebel for Townhall.com. The Supreme Court is one of the few American institutions not captured by the left. That's why the left is trying to delegitimize it. Senate Judiciary Committee Democrats Dick Durbin and Sheldon Whitehouse are spearheading Supreme Court ethics legislation. This comes after completely manufactured ethics scandals aimed at Justices Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch. They've been spread by the usual media suspects, including ProPublica, which itself has been paid by a pro-court-packing activist group, ironically enough. Fortunately, the bill has virtually no chance of passing. If senators really believe a Supreme Court justice is corrupt, the Constitution has already provided a remedy. They can impeach him or her. But that's not what this is really about. The Democrats' true agenda is to undermine the current Supreme Court just to facilitate their plan to pack it. They're willing to destroy Americans' faith in their institutions just to seize power. Let's talk about our friends at Plaza College who hosted us last Thursday at a phenomenal, phenomenal event. Uh, one of the, I, I told people here at the station it was the most difficult event I ever did. And that's only because it was the most crowded, it was the loudest, it was the most raucous, it was beautiful, it was fantastic. I love that energy. Um, look, we just finished graduation season in June. People are figuring out what they want to do. If you know a graduate who is still figuring out what they want to do, I would definitely point them into the direction of Plaza College. Um, they have all of these different programs. Uh, specifically now, I'm going to talk about their court reporting program, which would allow th- someone to speed their way into the legal field and make some significantly good cash without having to spend four years going to law school and waiting on the bar exam results. Court reporting is an in-demand lucrative career with flexibility that more people should know about. When I speak to the DA's offices and other lawyers in private practice, they are all in dire need of court reporters. Courts and schools, television stations, they're all seeking these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions, classes, live shows, sporting events. With the national shortage, the National Court Reporters Association has partnered with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and it's being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins. Suffering an injury in an accident can be a life-changing experience. Whether you've been involved in a car accident, a construction site accident, a slip and fall, or injured because of someone else's negligence, we can help. Our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you are owed. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. If you have been injured because of someone else's negligence, you have legal rights and may be entitled to significant money to compensate you for your pain and suffering. Hiring the right attorney is important. The combined experience of the lawyers at Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins will be able to lead you through the personal injury lawsuit process and aggressively fight for the best result. If you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call 212-486-0011, 212-486-0011, or visit us at idalalaw.com. Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins, fighting for justice, fighting for you here is the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth 
Um, I fell asleep in the sun uh, yesterday, like from three to four, which is like the worst thing you could do, especially when you have a bald head. And I was running around with the kids. I didn't have sunblock on. I'm an idiot because that's really a stupid thing to do. Um, and just running around, and this is the God's honest truth. I could not wait to get that shea butter from hemp leaf on my head. Um, I slathered it on last night before I went to sleep all over my top of my head, my back, my head, like, ugh, what a moron I am. Folks, in today's day and age, you should not be just like laying out in the middle of July when the sun is baking you. It just makes no sense. But I will tell you, between putting on, putting the shea butter on last night and then again this morning, and even now I feel it's still working, I'm, I'm okay. But it's stupid, by the way. Just, just don't do that. Um, they have their liquid black soap. You use that in the, in the shower. That always works and does the trick. Uh, combining, when you get out of the shower, you put on the shea butter. All of these natural botanical products are manufactured in their Long Island, New York facility. All their products are vegan friendly and cruelty free. They have their icy pot muscle rub. They have the helixer, the neuropathy cream for the woman's lower extremities. All the men could use it too. Remember, they don't put anything on their body that, on your body that you would not put into it. So visit them at hempleaf.com. That's www.hemplief.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout and receive 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. They all laughed at Christopher Columbus when he said the world was round. They all laughed when Edison recorded sound. There we go. I just got to chime in with one little piece of news. This Carly Russell woman who says that she saw a toddler on the street and she got out to get the toddler and then she was kidnapped. Her lawyer just issued a statement and said there was no kidnapping on July 13th. And they're contemplating whether charges should be filed against her. There should definitely be charges filed against her. Am I saying you should go to... to put her in jail and throw away the key no but we can't have a system where people just make up crimes and accuse people to put them in jail to get attention or to get money or to get revenge so we'll talk about this again tomorrow i want to welcome back to the show bruce sharrett we have a very special guest on the line only because of bruce bruce why don't you tell us who's on the line we have probably the most my my most extraordinary friend and Frankie Valley is a legend, an icon, the dearest man that you could possibly want to know. A and we should, we should all congratulate him because he just got married. Frankie, Congratulations. Frankie, are you with us? Yeah, I'm right here. Frankie, now that, I, now that you're here, let me just say a couple of things. I was talking before you got on the air about the fact that what made Tony Bennett so special was his ability to sound like Tony Bennett and that he always went in a, a different direction and he didn't sound anything like Frank and he didn't sound anything like Crosby, didn't sound anything like Perry Como. And I remember you telling me many times when we would sit and talk about music that that was always in the forefront of your mind when you would record and when the seasons would choose to do a song, particularly a song that was a standard, you would always try and say you have to come at it from a different perspective. And I would love well, for you to explain that and to talk about Frank, uh, to talk about Tony and all of that. 
you know, back in the day of Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra and Terry Como and Bing Crosby, everybody was recording basically the same songs. So unless you could take a song and absolutely make it yours, there was no sense in doing it at all. And Tony Bennett was an incredibly unique singer. There was uh, there was not a singer that I could even think of that sounded anything like Tony Bennett, unless they were impersonating him. And Sinatra had that super quality too. And not very many singers with all the singers we could talk about did have that quality. A lot of them patterned themselves, and most of them patterned themselves after Sinatra. Frankie, it's Arthur Idala. I just want to thank you so much for finding the time. I know how in demand you are regarding this topic because you're uh, one of the living legends yourself and uh, who had a, a relationship with Tony Bennett. I'd ask you to do two things. Just tell people kind of how you knew Tony Bennett and, and some occasions that you, you spent with him. And then just tell us, you know, what kind of a, a human being uh, was he? Because sometimes people in that industry, they forgot where they came from or who they were, et cetera, et cetera. So tell us a little bit about your time with Tony Bennett and tell us a little bit about Tony Bennett, the man. Well, Tony Bennett w- wasn't exactly a, a social individual. Uh, he wasn't as social as Sinatra was. But I was being managed by a guy by the name of Ken Roberts, who was promoting a lot of shows and had promoted some of uh, Tony Bennett's shows. And that's how I first met him. Uh, And I'd see him occasionally at an event that was happening someplace that I was also at. Uh, beyond that, you know, we really, we didn't have a day to day or a week to week or a month to month. We respected each other. I loved everything he ever did. He was so unique and would be so missed. And, 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 you know, one of the things that I also mentioned, Frankie, was that there was a, there was an honesty to Tony's. There was no slickness about Tony when you met him or when he was on the stage. He didn't have any of the slickness that so many of the singers of your generation have. And I think that kind of made him unique. It, it did make him unique. But he, he wasn't really, I, as far as I know anyway, he wasn't really a super social guy. He had a few people in his life. And that's how it was. And, and the difference, that was the big difference between him and, and Frank. Frank was constantly in, in the company of so many people yeah, that I, it, it was I, hard I, to I, even imagine. I think it's fair to say that Tony Bennett was not one of the guys hanging in the steam room in the sands. Exactly. Well, who, Frankie exactly. Valley, who would be hanging in the steam room in the sands? Well, I mean, we could start with so many different people, and, and I, I'd rather not tarnish anybody's 
Well, I'm just talking about hanging out. I'm not talking about doing anything. But who, well, but who I'm, were the social I'm, guys? I'm, I'm talking about hanging out, too. But, I mean, I, uh, uh, when you were around Frankie, everybody that was there with him, his immediate crowd at that moment, uh, and maybe it was four or five different people, we'd all go to the steam room together. Frank, I heard you mention the name Perry Como before. Did you have any relationship with Perry Como? Uh, yes, friendly, but uh, I, I never had a relationship with any other singer like I did with Sinatra. Sinatra was, uh, uh, we were friends in a very close way for about 10 years, actually, until we got married to Barbara. And then all of his friends somehow disappeared. Ah, yeah, we all, my father sings that song, Those Wedding Bells Are Breaking Up, That Old Gang right. of Mine. Um, so besides yourself, Frankie, who else is left from that golden era of music? Well, I can't think of very many people. I mean, uh, the the only ones, Frankie. I mean, the only God. there's there's uh, there's Jack Jones and Steve Lawrence and Steve, as we know, is suffering terrible, you know, from Alzheimer's as Tony right. did in the last years of his life. Um, and uh, but, you know, but I, I I don't know how often Jack is even working anymore. No. By the way, the most extraordinary thing, just to talk about Frankie for a minute, is that Frankie still is working all the time. And plays arenas, and of course, through Frankie has two things that make his career beyond almost more extraordinary than everybody else's. First, he has his catalog of songs that are enormous hits, and everybody wants to hear. And of course, he had Jersey Boys. So when you go to a Frankie Valley concert, the 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 ages in the room are from twenty somethings to seventy somethings. And that's an amazing eighty somethings. Don't well, leave my parents out. No, I won't leave your parents <laughs> out. But it's it's uh, it's very special. And and I t- anybody who's never seen Frankie, if you have the opportunity to see him, it's one of the great gifts to go see him work, uh, because um, he's one of the special people from from that time. Frankie, I want to thank you. It's Arthur Idala. I know you came on because Bruce asked you to, and I know you know you were requested all over the place. I really want to thank you. Uh, as a Brooklyn boy here, I still live on the same block I grew up on in Bay Ridge. So I just want to thank you so much for finding the time to come on the show. Well, I appreciate you asking me to come on. So, and, uh, and Bruce and I are good friends. Well, everybody knows that he talks about you and brags about you all the time. All right, folks, that is uh, we are up against Frankie. Thank commercial. you, thank you again, Mister okay. Frankie Valley. Right, We're going to come back with Rita Vale, Jerry Vale's uh, wife. Uh, who also had a very special relationship with, with uh, they were very, very close, uh, her and, and her husband and Tony Bennett. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about a little Perillo Tours, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
Hi, Kevin McCullough. Wish there was an easier way to navigate the world of real estate. If only there was a way to learn from the best. Well, now there is. Saturdays at 10, our very own Dottie Herman, vice chair of Douglas Elliman, gives you the inside track to what is hot in real estate. Stay one step ahead in today's seller's market as Dottie gives her tips on how to make it through the tricky waters. Doesn't matter if you're new to the game or a seasoned vet, you need to listen to Eye on Real Estate. Dottie and her team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there is no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. Why? Because she is the best. Period. <laughs> so tune in, Eye on Real Estate, Saturdays at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. That's Eye on Real Estate, Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock on AM 970, The Answer. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Let's talk about my friends at Bay Ridge Honda because they are kicking off July 4th savings by saving you $1,500. That's how much you get when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with the Sabah family at Bay Ridge Honda. They've been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. And right now, get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy a car from them, they want to buy your car. So visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Ends 7-30-23. Our hosts tell it like it is. No safe spaces here. AM 970, the answer. Heaven, I'm in heaven. And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. And I seem to find the happiness I see. When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek Heaven, I'm in heaven And the cares that hung around well, me too great. through the week Italian, well, one Sicilian, Lady Gaga Sicilian, at least like half Sicilian And Tony street. Bennett, before we go to our next guest, Bruce when Sharon, who's here Bruce, the whole Lady Gaga uh, collaboration with tony bennett tell us you know what did that do for tony bennett's career it it just it just proved the point more and more and more lady gaga is probably the preeminent contemporary artist who loves that material does it brilliantly feels it and who did she choose to take the baton from tony and the, the the collaboration was extraordinary because they're both really, really talented. So I think that is a really good example of a collaboration, a, a, a multi-generational collaboration that isn't a conceit. It wasn't just done because they thought it would sell records. It's really two people that are very special, do that material extraordinarily well. They had great producers, 
great arrangers put that together, and you ended up with a product that will stand the test of time. There you go. Speaking of standing the test of time, Bruce, why don't you introduce our next Well, guest? this is one of my favorite people from Palm Springs, California. And before I even bring you on, Rita, I want to make another point. Jerry Vale, your beloved husband, was very, very much like Tony Bennett in the sense that he sounded like nobody else. Jerry and Tony came up at exactly the same time in the early 50s. They were both at Columbia. Neither of them sounded anything like Frank Sinatra. They didn't want to sound like that. They had a very, very unique approach to the standards. When you hear a Jerry Vale record, immediately you know it's he, and he approaches it in a very specific way. So, Rita, thank you so much. And by the way, Rita and Jerry were such our friends of mine for 30 years, and, and they were at my wedding, and Jerry sang well, at my wedding. Before I, I bring on Rita Vale, I, I grew up in a household that had Jerry Vale oh, on all the time. My mother knew all his jokes, went to go see every one of his shows. She knew the punchline of all of his jokes. And if you walk in at my mother's house right this second, if there was a pop-up, you would walk in, and on the left-hand side there is a frame 8 by 10 photograph of Jerry Vale in between me, my sister, and her grandchildren. That's the truth. Her, uh, uh, Arthur's, Arthur's father was mad because when there was a fire in the house, his mother ran into the house, left everything, just ran to get the Jerry Vale memorabilia. That was it. Welcome to the show, Rita. Hi, Rita. This is, this is Arthur Idala. Thank you so much Thank for finding you. the Hi, time. Arthur, I'm going to tell you something cute. I think it's cute. The reason Jerry was in, sang, I mean, in Goodfellas and Casino and The Irishman, the other picture that Marty Scorsese did, was because exactly what you said. Marty Scorsese grew up in lower Manhattan. His parents, every Italian in the United States of America on Sunday has told me the same story, everyone I speak to. My mother was cooking. My grandmother was cooking. Jerry's records were playing. They grew up that way. That's what happened with Marty's mother used to say, when are you going to put Jerry Vale in the movie? When are you going to put him? So one, after many years of telling him this, he finally said, Mom, I'm going to put Jerry Vale in Goodfellas. He's going to sing. That was it. That, wow. uh, God bless her. I mean, I knew his parents. So God bless his parents. God bless Marty. It was a wonderful thing, but it's so interesting that you said this exactly what I'm saying about your mom. She had all this pic pictures of Jerry or whatever. So that's that's um, that's what happens. Every Italian has his his picture and his record. Thank God, I'm so happy for that. Rita, you know, yes. author is sort of a a. a what? Man About Town in New York, and this is a very right. New York-centric radio show. And one right. of the things that I would hear yeah. about so much in my early life was what New York was like um, for performers prior to the kind, of, the, the kind of mass exodus that took place to California in the 70s. And you and Jerry were certainly right in the middle of that where – you know, everybody was recording every day, and one of you was at the Copa, and somebody else was at the Royal Box, and somebody else was at the Waldorf, and you were all in each other's soup, and 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 exactly. all knew everybody, and it was a very special time. And could you kind of speak to that for a minute and let the audience know what that was like, and then of course talk about Tony Bennett and and Jerry's relationship with him and your relationship with him, because I know you guys were so close. Well, the the 
fifties, late fifties and sixties and seventies were a wonderful time in America to begin with. Every city had nightclubs. Every city had music. It was just a different time. But you know, things changed, and I always maintain change is not always for the better. But anyway, um, you said it all, honey. When when that era was, everybody, like most of the comedians, most of them that lived in New York, Jan Murray, Sid Caesar, Hackett, Buddy Hackett, um, I can't even remember. But anyway, everybody lived there, and we lived there. Tony lived there. And just, you know, Phil Foster, Dick Sean, there were so many wonderful talents that came out of New York, you know, between Brooklyn and the Bronx, that's where they lived. Incidentally, Arthur, I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. (laughs) Okay, Jerry's from the Bronx, was from the Bronx. So anyway, all those people lived in New York, and we all, we all sort of, we all knew each other. It was a very small entertainment business in those years. Milton Berle, I mean, all these people were in New York. At, we'd see everybody at charities. We were always doing charities here, there, everywhere. So. You know, it was just a camaraderie was incredible. And then there was a, like a mass exodus. Everybody changed. Jan got, Murray got a show in L.A. Caesar moved to L.A. This one, everybody went somewhere. So we all moved out of there. Tony stayed in New York, I have to say. Tony is a die, was a diehard New Yorker. That was it. He left just to go to work wherever he went. But that was it. He never left. Of course, he was a Queens. Queens. He was a Queens boy, right, Rita? Queens, exactly. And, and, Queens. and how often did and he, he ask you there. what you were what you were cooking on Sunday so he would come in and eat your meatballs? Oh, Tony, oh, Buddy Hackett. Oh, Tony. Yeah. Well, Tony loved to, he loved to eat, and I was always cooking, and it was that's just the way it was. And we lived very close to each other. And Tony's first wife, Sandy, her name was Pat Beach. She, she and I were very close friends for many years. He, she was the mother, is the mother of his two boys, Danny and Daigle. So anyway, Rita, Tony lived there. Yes. Rita, be, I, yes. quickly, because I think it so exemplifies who Tony was. You and Jerry are lying in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, and the phone rings, and it's Tony's wife, and you, she says, you have to come over. Immediately and explain oh, to the yeah. whole audience uh, well, why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. She said, we're, "The kids are up. We're all up. It's very noisy here. Could you please come over?" I said, "Well, what's going on?" It was really late. I don't know when. I think Tony was working somewhere. The Copa. He may have been working at the Copa, so it must have could have been like two in the morning or three. I don't know. He invited the entire Basie band was at the house. Oh, it was a big party. And so, Rita, because I'm running up against the end of the show, is that does that personify who Tony Bennett was? Was he that kind of a guy? Exactly. Tony was an absolutely individual, incredible musician, a true, a true artist. Between music and his art, he was a true artist. He was a wonderful man, really wonderful, very kind very good but tony was very introverted it's hard to even believe that 
He loved his friend, but it ended there. He was well, that's what basically what Frankie Valley just told us. Rita, I'm sorry we're out of time, but I would love to impose on Bruce to have you come back again because I want to do a whole show on your husband, okay? Okay. Thank you okay. so much. Thank, Ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Sharrod, Frankie Valley, Rita Vale, what a great show. We'll be back. See, uh, Joan will be back with you tomorrow. I have to go to work in Boston. Have a great night. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons PC. Portions of the Arthur Idala Power Hour sponsored by Bay Ridge Honda. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.